The Man of God Network exists to help the church in her mission to identify and equip qualified, faithful men for the gospel ministry and for the recovery of biblical reformation in our day. It's our joy to provide you with resources that both encourage you and edify you as you seek to build Christ's church where you are, to the end that He is better known, loved, and exalted. We appreciate the support of our listeners. To learn more about how you can help us accomplish our mission, visit manofgodnetwork.com. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, Stories from Reformed Baptist History with Commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist History. We are on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Back in episode 62, I gave you a biography of Andrew Gifford, pastor of the Pathay Church in Bristol. In that, I mentioned his son Emmanuel and grandson Andrew, who both became particular Baptist pastors. This family is one of my favorites in particular Baptist history because the grace and truth of God shined so brightly in their lives and ministries. Through both distressing times and prosperous ones, They maintained faithful and healthy pastoral ministries. So let's begin with Andrew Gifford Sr.'s unusually named son, Emmanuel. In the records of the time, it was usually spelled with one M and two L's, the reverse of how we would today. He was the sixth of at least nine children born to Andrew and Anne Gifford, His birth date was April 23, 1673. This was a time of persecution against dissenters from the English church, and his father was, you may recall, often hunted and jailed during this time. And Emmanuel, even as a boy, supported his father's work. A story is told of him acting as a watchman for his father as he preached out of doors to the Kingswood coal miners. He was only seven at the time, and because it was so cold, his coat froze to the ground. And when the soldiers came, he could not properly warn the meeting, and so his father was taken into custody. Five years later, when Emmanuel was twelve, he acted as a messenger for his father to the Duke of Monmouth. The Duke was an illegitimate son of Charles II, but he was born in the Netherlands and raised as a Protestant. When the Roman Catholic James II became king, the duke raised an army to depose him. Emmanuel informed the duke of the ready reception and supplies in Bristol, but the duke retreated to the west, and Emmanuel had to try and escape back home. His son Andrew tells the story of how his father was cornered by the king's troops and narrowly evaded capture. Despite his young age, this may have saved his life, as many hundreds of the duke's men were captured and sentenced either to death or deportation as slave labor to the West Indies. Two of the men hanged for their part in the rebellion were Benjamin and William Hewling, grandsons of William Kiffin, aged about 21, 
and 19. This commitment to dissent and radical politics must have run in the family because Emmanuel's uncle, Samuel Gifford, was the man William of Orange, about to become King William III of England, requested to be his pilot across the English Channel in the Glorious Revolution of 1688. Even Emmanuel's future wife, Eleanor Lancaster, was known for her courageous descent. In the Eagle Street Church book, it is recorded, quote, She was for many years an honorable member of the church in Pathay, Bristol, and was the last survivor of that church who was honored with imprisonment in Newgate, there for adhering to the despised and persecuted cause of Jesus in the latter part of King Charles II's reign. Now, since Charles died in 1685, Eleanor, who was born in 1662, must have been in her late teens or early 20s when she was imprisoned. She's a good example of how the grace of Christ emboldens even young women to value and suffer for Christ and his cause. We don't know when Emmanuel experienced conversion, but it may have been in his 19th year, because the Pathay Church book records that he was baptized on March 17, 1693. When Emmanuel was in his early 20s, he married Eleanor, who was a widow and who brought three children into their marriage. There were the twin girls, Martha and Mary, and a son, John. Eleanor was about nine years older than her husband, and together they had a daughter, Sarah, and a son, Andrew, of whom we will hear more next time. It's not likely that Emmanuel had much formal training for the ministry, and he may have worked at least part of the time as a cooper like his father and grandfather, who was named Hugh. But he must have applied himself to the scriptures, because in 1705, the Pathay Church called him to be an elder alongside his father. This must have been a tremendous help, because his father was over 60 years old, and the congregation had between 400 and 500 members. They worked together for 16 years until Andrew Sr. died in 1721. Emmanuel, though, was only to live two years longer, and so the Gifford leadership in the church passed to a new pastor, William Bagley. The Baptist historian Joseph Ivamy described Emmanuel as, quote, a very acceptable and useful minister. Emmanuel was buried October 9, 1723, in the Baptist burial ground that had been jointly purchased by the Broadmead and Pathay churches in 1679. It was called Red Cross after the street and lane that it was on. There are two records of Emmanuel's burial. One from the Nonconformist Burial Register states, quote, Emmanuel Gifford was interred 10 yards and one foot from the west wall and 15 yards from the south wall. His name in the records is underlined in the handwritten notes and no one else's name is, which presumably is an indication of his importance as a pastor. I find it interesting that the exact location of the burial is given. This is probably for the purpose of identifying the location 
when the gravestone would have been added later. His described him as a, quote, faithful and wise servant of Christ. These same records show that in this same Baptist burial ground, one child was buried on the same day, and three more had been in the week before. The child death rates were high, and the plot was soon filled. An additional piece of ground was, brought, was bought next to it and used by the churches until it was cleared for city use and the remains moved to another cemetery centuries later. Information about Emmanuel is scarce, but Ivamy's Baptist history is helpful. The best book on the Gifford family, and especially, especially Emmanuel Gifford's son Andrew, is L.G. Champion's volume entitled Farthing Rushlight, The Story of Andrew Gifford. This is a scarce volume, but well worth searching for. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace.